This is Scott White, and welcome to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. What am I looking at this time? The very first podcast I did was of Death Wish 2. And during that podcast, I said, one day I might review the soundtrack to Death Wish 2. That's what we're getting here today. The soundtrack of Death Wish 2 by Jimmy Page. That's right. Came out in 1982 with the movie. Michael Winner, the director of the movie, was actually neighbors with Jimmy Page and asked him to do the soundtrack. And for some reason, Jimmy Page only had a short amount of time to get the soundtrack out uh, for the movie. And that's what we're going to look at now. Now, I know this is sort of cheating with the Charles Bronson podcast. Charles Bronson has nothing to do with the soundtrack, but it is connected with a Charles Bronson project, so that's why it gets on this podcast. I get to play a little loose with the rules and get to do things on this podcast, which might not necessarily be linked to Burt Reynolds or Charles Bronson, so we're just going to have a little fun. We start with side one. And the first song on side one is a song called Who's to Blame? And it's actually, it actually has vocals. It's sung by Chris Farlow. It sort of had a Led Zeppelin uh, vibe to me, which is, you know, uh, Jimmy Page with Led Zeppelin. I actually got a little Led Zeppelin. Uh, I think it's a great way to start the album out. Who's to Blame? It just gives us the gist of the movie. Uh, In the movie, Charles Bronson avenged the death of his daughter and his housekeeper. It's just a great way. And it's actually a nice little pop song. It's a nice little rock pop song. I shouldn't say pop song. It's a nice rock song. It's got, you know, Jimmy Page is kicking ass on guitar. Uh, Chris Farlow, I, I enjoy his voice. I thought he did a good job on the vocals. But it's very, very 80s and it's very, very rock. And it's a perfect way to kick off the album. Then the next song is called The Chase. And for the most part, most of these songs are instrumentals. This album is very, very, very uh, synthesizer. I'm I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Synthesizer-centric. Jimmy Page uses that thing to its full extent on this album. And the second song on side one is called The Chase. And the chase is broken down into three separate pieces. It's the longest track on side one. It's about six minutes. It's sort of like a mini, I guess like a a mini opera. That's not, but it's three shorter songs combined to make one long track. And the first one is very, very heavily synthesized with guitar. And it's got a steady beat. And that beat 
it interlaces with the title of the song, The Chase. It's got a beat where it just feels like like footsteps, like somebody is following another person. They convey that with the music. And then the second part of The Chase, we have the synthesizer, but we also have a heavy strings. Jimmy Page uses orchestras. Uh, he uses a string, you know, he, uh, he, what uh, orchestra did he use? Ah, crap, I don't have it in front of me. He uses the GLC Philharmonic, and he also uses the SOL uh, Symphonic. If this was a better podcast, I'd look those up and see what they meant. But I'm going to leave that to you. That's a little homework. If you want to find out what uh, orchestras and, symphonic, and symphonics he used in this uh, soundtrack... There you go. You can look that up after you get done listening. But the second part, it has a lot of strings. And the second part of this sort of gave me a sort of a psycho feeling with the, with the amount of strings they used. And this one goes into the third one where they have it. It also has psycho. And the third one sort of goes into Friday the 13th. So the second and third parts of the chase sort of go into the horror aspect, uh, sort of a stalker aspect, where you can just feel through the music that somebody's in danger, that somebody is not safe. To convey that through music is a very, very hard thing to do, and Jimmy Page does this here. Because I know we don't think of Death Wish 2 as a horror movie, but it really is. It becomes a horror movie in two. One, a group of thugs attack and kill these defenseless women, which is horrible. But then Charles Bronson actually becomes a stalker and kind of a slasher. He becomes like a Jason Voorhees or a Michael Myers, where he's just single-mindedly hunting these men down. He doesn't use knives. Well, he does sometimes, but he uses guns instead of knives, but... What I'm saying is the chase, it really, really conveys that somebody is being hunted and somebody is being stalked. And it increases throughout the six-minute song. At the end, it starts as maybe that person is not in danger. And at the end of the six-minute song, you know that person is in danger. And uh, then we go into the third song which is called City Sirens. And this is the only song co-written by somebody else. All the songs are written by Jimmy Page on this album, except for this one. It's written by Jimmy Page and Gordon Edwards. And it is another pop song, another pop rock song. On this track, there's lyrics, but I can't understand them. The music is mixed where the lyrics are low, and I can't really understand what uh, the guy who wrote it, Gordon Edwards, is also the singer on this song. And I can't understand, I can't understand what he's saying. I'm just going to say, it's, like, it's, it's got a great beat, but the lyrics, no idea. Uh, then we go to the fourth song, which is called Jam Sandwich. And it's just got a badass guitar riff. And when you hear this song, if you've seen the movie, when you hear this song, you just you can picture Bronson walking down the street with his hands in his pocket, with his eyes just surveying the streets, just looking for those people who did him wrong. 
And there's parts during the song where the guitar, it almost feels like it's talking to you. It's almost like the guitar is telling you what's going on in Bronson's head during this song. This is sort of the reverse of the chase, where the chase is we have the bad guys that are doing the stalking. And in this one, in Jam Sandwich, we have where Bronson is doing the stalking. So it's not as dark, it's not as horrifying, because we are rooting for Bronson to find out who these guys uh, are and he and to get revenge on these men. So it's a very jam sandwich. It's a very, very nice song. You know it's in Bronson's head. And it helps if you've seen the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, you, you won't get that feeling. But if you know what the movie is about and you know what Bronson goes through in this movie, when you hear this song, you place this song in the background as Bronson is stalking his prey. And we go to the fifth song on side one, and it's called Carol's Theme. And Carol was Charles Bronson's daughter in the movie. And um, this song, it's very, very angelic. It has a light piano. It has a simple dreamlike feeling about the song uh, through the orchestra that is playing. And this song really captures the character of Charles Bronson's daughter. If you don't know, in Death Wish, in the original Death Wish, Charles Bronson's daughter was attacked and raped. And in this one, she's been comatose all this time. Not comatose, I'm sorry, but... Uh, she hasn't she hasn't spoken in all that time and she hasn't she hasn't come out of what happened to her in this movie they're trying to make progress to get her back as charles bronson says to get his daughter back so she's very very innocent in this movie and she is very very naive in this movie she is a grown woman but she has from what happened to her, she now has the mental capacity of a little girl. And she is treated like a little girl by Charles Bronson in this movie. And this song enforces, whenever she's on screen, you hear this light, angelic song, which makes what happens to her later in the movie even more tragic. Because not only is she portrayed as an innocent, the music makes her, she's not just innocent, she's angelic. She's pure. That's what the music does. The music makes her seem pure. So what happens when the guys attack her makes it even more horrendous. In our minds, she's just a woman trying to cope with tragedy. And then we have the sixth song on side one called uh, The Release. And it's just, uh, it's just a simple rock jam. It's what, it's what the other two pop songs, the other two pop rock songs were on this side, Who's to Blame and uh, City Sirens. The release is the same as all that. You know, it starts with light sounds, and then it goes right into... This song sort of reminded me of uh, Stairway to Heaven, where it started light and it went into rock. There's no vocals in this song. 
So this is just a hard rock song to finish off side one. And that is side one of the Death Wish 2 soundtrack. And I have it on album, so I had to go over there. I had to flip it over. Now we're on side two. Don't know why I'm talking like this, but I am. And the first song on side two is called Hotel Rats and Photostats. And this is the sound of the movie for me. Whenever you see a commercial, well, I guess whenever you saw a commercial, or if you go online and you watch a trailer of Death Wish 2, the synthesized sound in this song is what identifies this movie. This is the synthesized sound that you hear throughout the movie. When you hear this song, this song is synonymous with Death Wish 2. This is the song that is the movie. And then now and from now on, every song on this album side two is going to borrow from the track that was before it because our next one is called shadow in the city and it is just it's basically the same as the first song hotel rats and photostats but with more heavier deeper synthesizer synthesizers damn i hate that word synthesizers yeah so these first two songs could really the hotel rats and photostats and sh and uh, shadow in the city could just have been really really one long song like the chase broken up into pieces because the second one the shadow in the city this borrows a lot from the first song only with heavier synthesizers and then we go to the third song on side two which is called jill's theme which is really really weird because obviously this is jill ireland's theme however she was not named jill in the movie her character had a you know her she had a different character name but it's called jill's it's like so this song is not for the character it's for jill ireland and i said maybe charles bronson had nothing to do with the soundtrack maybe he had something to do with this maybe he said i want my wife represented on the soundtrack because that's the only way I it's just totally odd that they would use a character's name on side one but then use the actress's name on side two and Jill's theme it's it's a combination of what happens to her in the movie it's a mixture of hope and despair and playfulness and somber it's what she goes through this entire movie it's up and then it's down and then it's up again and it's down once again uh, jimmy page uses an orchestra on this one this is the only track where jimmy page is not credited as a, a musician it's just the glc philharmonic and it captures what the character is in the movie. It doesn't capture what Jill Ireland was doing. I don't know what she was doing during the filming of this, but it captures because her emotions in this movie are all over the place. She's with this man. This man's daughter is murdered. This man proposes to her. She finds out this man is a vigilante. So her theme perfectly captures what her character went through in that movie.
And then we have track four, which is Prelude. And once again, Prelude is it's taking from the first two tracks of this side. We've heard, uh, in Prelude, it's basically tracks one and tracks two, a combination of the two. We've heard these before on this side in the first two tracks. And then we have uh, the fifth song on the album, which is called Big Band Sax and Violence. And it is a hard-rocking big band song. It sounds like a big band with a lot of rock and roll behind it. Now, here's the thing. It uses synthesized brass and it uses synthesized sax. That's what gives it its rocking tune, but it also makes it sound kind of fake. I would have preferred maybe actual saxophones, an actual brass band, if you were going to do a big band song. I mean, I know he's been using synthesizers through this entire movie, through this entire album, but this just sounded kind of... It works for the other tunes, but for this one where it starts off with that big band feeling where it's just but then it turns into rock and roll and then it's a synthesized big band if Jimmy Page would have conducted a big band and done this song I think it would have been the crowning achievement of this album but he didn't he went with the synthesizers and it sounds it sounds like fake brass and fake sax man and if I had a lot of fake sax in my life if you know what I mean and then the album ends with Hypnotizing Ways, Oh Mama. And once again, it's bookend with Chris Farlow singing a song. So it starts with a Chris Farlow song and it ends with a Chris Farlow song. So we have a rock and roll song to start it and we have a rock and roll song to end it. And I think that was the perfect way to start an album and a perfect way to end an album. And it just we, we end with another... Led Zeppelin-esque rock and roll song. And this is not a long album. The album itself is only 35 minutes. And it's only it's the only album that Jimmy Page put out on Swan Song. Because when I played my album, it reminded me of Led Zeppelin. Because when I was younger, I had Led Zeppelin albums. And it was on Swan Song. And it was always that angel, that nude guy that had the his head was back. And he had those wings spread out. Whenever I see that, I always think of Led Zeppelin. You know, they were in the circle right in the middle of my Led Zeppelin song. And that's it. That is the Death Wish 2 soundtrack. And what did I think of it? I think for the most part, it is good. I like the hard rock songs about it. Even though City Sirens, the one I couldn't understand... I like some of the synthesizers. I think he went overboard with the synthesizers in a lot of them. Theme songs with the women in the movie, they're they're very they capture the characters well. I think for the most part, I mean if you're a Death Wish fan, you're going to get this music on the movie when you watch it. This album has it has a special place for me because when I I first saw it, I didn't know anything about Charles Bronson. I didn't know anything about the Death Wish movies. But something about the cover with uh, this painting of Charles Bronson on it, something about it stuck with me. And I found this album 35 years later in a thrift store and I picked it up. So it has nostalgia for me. I think if you're not a Charles Bronson fan, 
if you're not a Jimmy Page fan, this album is going to mean nothing to you. However, if you are a Led Zeppelin fan, if you are a Jimmy Page fan, if you want to see uh, the first thing he did after Led Zeppelin, or one of the first things he did after Led Zeppelin, it's, it's, it's very unique in that. But if you have the movie, you're going to have this music. To me, what I'm saying is, this is a very, very specific album to like. If you like Jimmy Page, if you like Led Zeppelin, I would say pick it up. It's, it's, a, it's an oddity and you're going to enjoy it. And even if you're a classic rock fan, just to see how Jimmy Page operated outside of Led Zeppelin, uh, that would be interesting as well. But for the most part, if you're not a fanatic, you're not going to enjoy this album. And that's it. We got a short one this time. I want to thank everybody for listening to uh, this podcast. And we'll see everybody here next time on the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott White and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. This should help people find the podcast when they're searching. Uh, No matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast.